You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. What, what? Another week, another day gone by, another month gone by. Here we are closing out January. We're already a month into the new year, but this is going to be our New Year's episode. Sonny, what do you think about that, my friend? I think that's great. How you doing? We, I'm good. We had to have that at some point. We had to have a happy New Year episode. It just happens that this one's coming a month after the New Year started. But hey, what are you going to do? We got a lot of content and a lot of great content at that, right? Oh, yeah. We got to do some great interviews that kind of filled in the beginning of January, the end of December. So, you know, you can't pass up on those. No, not so much. And hopefully people have been uh, downloading and checking those episodes out because there's a lot of good content in those for sure. Uh, A lot of stuff on the KISS Expos. And now that the KISS Expo is done, we'll have a ton of uh, content coming your way for um, our recap of the Atlanta KISS Expo. So it's been good. Hey, have you seen this uh, lawsuit that's been put on Spotify for $1.6 billion, billion with a B? I have not seen this. I don't have a clue what the hell you're talking about. Dude. So I told you I, I recently started using Spotify because they had a free trial thing for three months and I wanted to try it out and I've been enjoying it. I've been discovering a lot of music that I didn't didn't know anything about and so it's been very, very cool in that respect. It's very easy to use uh, and it sounds great to me, you know. They have all kinds of things on there that I've never heard of before and I've just been enjoying it, bottom line. But this lawsuit was bought and put on Spotify a couple of weeks ago by a Wixen Music Publishing Company. And this is a publishing company that owns the rights to songs like Free Fallen from Tom Petty and Light My Fire by the Doors and uh, Neil Young song and Weezer songs and Stevie Nicks songs, et cetera, et cetera. They, got, they own all kinds of publishing rights to these folks' songs. So... They sued Spotify for $1.6 billion, basically claiming that Spotify never obtained the exclusive licensing to share these songs, right? Because you go on Spotify, you can pull up Free Fallen and listen to Free Fallen and stream Free Fallen, or you can download it to your phone or whatever. You know know how it works. Yeah, I've only played with Spotify a little bit. I'm not a huge streamer and you know we've talked about that before i kind of listen to youtube a little bit so if there's like new music out there so for instance uh santa cruz i hadn't heard santa cruz yet so usually my default is itunes so i go to itunes and play the little snippets or i'll go to youtube and just pick a santa cruz song and then listen to a snippet of that song and if i like what i hear then I buy it on iTunes or I buy physical products. So basically I'm using those iTunes snippets and YouTube as you would use for us of older age, as you would use the listening stations back in the late eighties, early nineties in a record store. That's kind of how I'm using YouTube and the snippets. I don't really stream. Yeah. Uh, And like I said, it's new to me because 
I want to discover new music and I wanted it to be easy and what an easier way to try than a free uh, three-month trial thing. What's great is that I have a free three-month trial with that. I paid 99 cents for three months with Amazon Premium. So I get the same thing that Spotify Premium gives me, I get on Amazon. And then after that, I've got three months free with Apple. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so I get to try all of them out for free for three months each and then just make sure I cancel uh, if I don't want to use them any longer after my free uh, trial runs out. But it's good. It's opened me up to a lot of music and it's good for the show because when you put a song up and say, hey, I'm going to play this. Uh, if I've never heard it, I can hurry and go listen to it with little or no problem on my phone. And so it helps me. It helped me out today with the Crank It Up Spotlight that we're going to play a little bit later on. So it's all good. So how about that word of the day? <laughs> I love that word because I'm a huge Flintstones fan. All right. So the word of the day is poobah. That's P-O-O-H-B-A-H. Definition of poobah is a person holding many public or private offices or, number two, a person in high position or of great influence. Let's just reference KISS. We talked about the KISS Expo. So which one do you think is the grand poobah of KISS? Is it Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley? For me, it will always be Paul. Because one of, one of them is the Grand Poobah. Maybe they're yeah. equal Grand Poobahs. I don't know. I don't know about that. For me, it'd always be Paul, and especially after I read Paul's book, knowing that he kept 80s Kiss alive, which is some of my favorite Kiss, yeah. my Grand Poobah is Paul. All right. A person in high position or of great influence. Gene is pretty influential. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. So poobah uh, is the word of the day. Use it as you feel free and feel fit throughout the podcast. And uh, those that are playing at home, drink responsibly. Thank you. That's my uh, that's my public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Samantha. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, so let's go to Grown Ups of the Week, our baby's interview, which uh, Stephen did a great job of interviewing the folks from the babies. It went off really well, and there was a lot of people that shared that interview, which uh, we we appreciate. So here's the grown-ups of the week. Little Fish, which is a Twitter handle. Tino Potter, DNR founder. So DNR founder, the guy who has this Twitter handle is the grand poopa of DNR Studios. <laughs> um, Lame is Fun, which is a Twitter handle. Melodic Dirt, Mark Winder 8, Andrew Jacobs, our buddy Chris Sinzak. Aaron Baker, Nighthawk, Decibel Geek, Holly Fraley, Buddy Steve, and Steve Wright, Jay Sabluski, Rick Friel, Ruben Garcia, Alan Tate, our buddy from Ages of Rock, Jody Havnot, Ziggy Walks, which is a uh, 
Twitter handle. Deepest Purple PY. No clue. Rob Wade, who is the grand poobah of Emotionally 14 podcast, and he has a podcast called Talk Star Wars. Ooh, I wish Uh, I could be on that. (laughs) I don't know anything about that. Hey, Rob Wade, call me up. I want to talk Star Wars. I love Star Wars. (laughs) Uh, Tom Dust, Eladio, Daryl Alber, Janet Eck, Marcia Santos, Ages of Rock podcast, Tony Rambo 21, Bill Algy, Ages of Rock is all over this thing, Uh, Metal Empire, Mag, Save Rock and Metal, which is a Twitter handle, Uh, our beautiful friend Jennifer, uh, The Babies shared, which was really cool, Jen Mitchell, uh, Mike Street, who is the Grand Poobah of the Smart Browns Voices podcast, Len Gordon, Life Changer, who uh, we're actually going to talk about here in a sec, and then Silver Dream Studios, who, is that uh, the baby studio? Yeah, it's uh, Tony Brock uh, owns uh, Silver Dream Studio. He's the drummer in the babies. Yeah. So, ton of shares, ton of likes, or ton of shares and a ton of uh, retweets, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, I had had a great time with that babies interview. Very, very cool guys and a lot of history there for sure. So if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. Enjoyable. All right. So the topic of the week, the plan is, we call this the new year episode. The plan is that we were going to choose songs or albums that had a date in the title. So for instance, Van Halen's 1984, right? It's a year, a year or a date. Uh, that was the topic, correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, we also added, I think, time frame, right? So if it had anything to do with a, a year, a date, or a time frame, we kind of added that in. Yeah, so that's the uh, topic of the week. But uh, before we uh, get to that, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so Crank It Up Spotlight. There is a new band out there called Life Changer, and they are from the Netherlands. Hard rock band. They really want to have that 80s flavor, a little bit like Europe, Van Halen, Whitesnake. Uh, They're more melodic hard rock. That's kind of where they're playing to. Five guys. Two guitarists, obviously, a bass uh, drummer, vocalist. They've got uh, some folks playing keyboards also. Experienced musicians. The vocalist, I think, was in musical theater. The guitarists were like in cover bands. And uh, they're getting together, and they just released uh, their first album in uh, November. It's called Life Changer. The band's called Life Changer. And it's all Life Changer Records, and they self-produced. So they're kind of doing everything on their own and trying to break into the music scene. So the track that we're going to play for you is called Information Overload.
an information overload uh, so for me it's a little bit keyboard heavy I could use those a little less in the mix but that's just my personal preference other than that I get what they're trying to do um, I get the gist of it and I'm all for rock and roll so yeah it's all good yeah the CD has eight songs on it they got one, they have one that is a like a piano ballad with some orchestra music really really good tune this one's probably my favorite tune on the record they don't have a ton of backing vocals and like this song here if it would have had those Def Leppard type Mutt Lang backing vocals you're talking radio hit so to me the music is really polished and they know what they're doing there the vocal melodies are a little more raw so you know they're starting out they got a good thing going so you know congratulations to Life Changer and I hope they do well that's what we like to do turn people on to new bands at least give bands of today a shot in the dark, right? Because you never know. It's not easy for new bands to succeed out there. So I'm all about anybody that can uh, carry the flag for rock and roll uh, these days, for sure. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And especially like the first thing that screamed to me on that song was that guitar tone. Man, it is so clean and so crisp. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, these guys are experienced. These guys are not uh, rookies by any means. All right, cool. So you ready to get into this thing? Yeah, baby. We got some good songs. Yeah, we picked up a couple. It was a little bit tough to find some stuff, but I've got a couple of surprises in here and a couple of oddities that might be kind of cool. So definitely looking forward to this. So why don't you go first? I've gone first the last couple times. All right. So I'm going to start with a time frame, um, and we're going to start with one of my favorite bands, and that is the Mighty Y&T. And I would say the underrated poobah of them all is Dave Manichetti, in my opinion. This song, 25 Hours a Day, was originally on the Yesterday and Today album that came out in 76. And although I am a massive Y&T fan, those first two albums, those Yesterday and Today albums that self-titled and struck down, they're a harder listen for me because they're a little bit slower. The production is not great. They didn't have a lot of money behind them. And although I like the bluesier rock, this is almost like slower. But then they went back and redid 24, uh, 25 Hours a Day as a live track on the Open Fire album in 85. So that's the one that we're going to play for you. Great track called 25 Hours a Day. All right! Someone from yesterday and today...
Yeah, man, you can't go wrong with wine tea. Come on. Wine tea, they're just so awesome. I love wine tea, man. I wish more people knew about them or at least went and checked them out because I know that people know about them. They've been around forever and a day, but for whatever reason, they've just never, people just don't seem to know enough about them, I don't think so. And this song was from 1985. Now we're talking, what, 32 years ago. I can tell you Dave has not lost a step in his guitar playing, and he has not lost a step vocally. The guy can still bring it, and he's the only original member left. And that's not because he doesn't want the other three guys in it. The other three guys have passed away. He's it. Right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, that leaves it up to me. And I'm going to give everybody a swift kick in the ass right now with this tune, (laughs) (laughs) because that's the way I like it. I am going to go to an album called 1919 Eternal from the Mighty Black Label Society, or as I affectionately call them, BLS. Uh, Sonny, I know how you feel about this band. This band, man, I swear to God, you can't listen to this band and not just want to break some shit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) It's the only band that makes me want to smoke of marijuana and just kind of stone out it's total stoner rock there's no doubt man i don't know that i consider bls stoner rock because stoner rock to me is kind of like uh slow dragging you know kind of like the old sabbath and shit is like oh oh okay that that's what stoner rock is to me maybe it means something different to other people but stoner rock to me means like the really thick heavy just kind of uh slow groove type shit BLS for me is um, I want to break some shit rock. (laughs) 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 This is this. I swear, man, every time I put this on around the house, my wife starts strapping down the fucking China. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this is one of the first BLS songs that I ever heard, to be honest. And, And it comes off their third record. 1919 eternal record was the third record. And, you know, uh, Robert Trujillo uh, played bass on this record. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, he was the bass player uh, credited with uh, most of the work on this uh, this record. And it's just, I, there's a lot of good songs on this record, but the song I'm going to play is a song called Genocide Junkie.
Yeah, that song is my second favorite on that CD. My my favorite is actually Demise of Sanity. That's a good tune as well. Yeah, and I guess uh, so Trujillo and Zach were still in Ozzy at this point, and they wrote a bunch, I guess Zach wrote a bunch of songs for Down to Earth, and Ozzy turned away like four or five of the songs saying they were too black label. So then Zach put them on this album, and Demise of Sanity was one of those songs. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. Absolutely. I knew I could depend on you for the for the extra uh, information <laughs> that kicks ass. Dude, BLS, man. I love BLS. I know. They're so killer. So that's that's my date song, 1919 Eternal. All right. What you got? All right. So uh, we're going to go with a month, and we're going to go with Sweet and Lynch's first album, Only to Rise. And there was a song on there called September. And I've heard this song several times now more than several times i would say it's in the umpteen times i guess i never really knew what the song was about i knew some of the lyrics but you know you just kind of start bobbing your head and playing air guitar like i do sometimes and doing that kind of stuff and this song uh, appealed to me initially because it kind of has that wasted years iron maiden feel to the riff a little bit but then uh i was listening to it the other day and i'm like what is he saying and i went to go check the lyrics and hell this song's about 9 11 my emotional take of the song completely changed, right? All of a sudden, the song meant so much more. So uh, there is a, on YouTube, there's a lyric video. If you want to just kind of watch the lyric video, or you can just pull up, pull up the lyrics on Google while you're listening to the song. But it's a great song, and the lyrics are done really, really well. Uh, Michael Sweet did a good job of kind of sending the message. Song's called September.
Yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a while since I've heard that song. I mean, I haven't listened to this record since it first came out. I listened to it uh, a bit, quite a bit when it first came out. Um, so it's been a while since I've heard this tune. That's, that's a deep song, man. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So I'm going to pick it up a little bit, and I'm going to play probably a record that gets a lot of love on on a few podcasts. Uh, and I know that it's a, it's just a great record, bottom line. And I'm in agreement with a lot of people when they say they feel like this record is probably uh, the band's best record. And I don't know if it's their best, but it's right up there. I mean, I love this record. And I'm going to talk about Warrant's Dog Eat Dog. And obviously the date is not in the title of the record, but it is in the title of a song that's on this record. And this, this song is April 2031. You have an opinion about this tune? Uh, definitely heavier. I mean, Janie still sounds good. It's, it's amazing to me that Janie sounds good on some of the ballad stuff, like I Saw Red, and then you hear him singing this, and, it, and his vocal styling still fits which uh, a lot of the times, some of these 80s, if you want to call them hair metal bands, whatever, when they tried to get more grunge, the voice didn't really fit, but Janie did a good job of kind of crossing that over. Yeah, without a doubt. So I love this song. Sit back, enjoy. April 2031 from the Dog Eat Dog album by Warrant.
Yeah, that definitely ain't no cherry pie, that's for sure. Nah. It's just so good, man. So, so good. This record sounds so good. Michael Wagner did such an amazing job uh, on this record and the band. It's just a shame that it came at the wrong time, that's all. Yeah. All right, so my next song is actually initially written by an artist that I actually don't like that much. (laughs) Um, And I'm just saying it like it is, and that's Marilyn Manson's 1996. It was off of uh, Antichrist Superstar. And he's just a little out there for me. Like I I like Alice Cooper, love Kiss. I mean, I don't have a problem with the shock rock, that part, whatever. It's the fuzzy tone. I think it was partly my music was dying at the time. And then this guy is trying to like almost, you know, be the new Alice Cooper. And I don't want a new Alice Cooper. I'm good with zombie. I don't need you. You know, that's kind of how I took Marilyn Manson. So when I saw that, to me, the grand poobahs of everything that is right with hard rock music today, the mighty hailstorm, went and redid the song. I'm like, really? You did a Marilyn Manson song? Especially when they have Goldust Woman's on the same album, Hell is for Children, Shoot to Thrill, Get Lucky, Descendant Aggressor, are all on this album called Reanimate 2.0. It was released in 2013. So I'm like, alright, I guess I, I'm going to listen to this because I, I don't really not like anything Lizzie puts out. And uh, they did a great version of this. So the song's called 1996. Take a listen.
Yeah, I love that song. I actually like the Marilyn Manson record, uh, Antichrist Superstar. I enjoyed that record quite a bit. I know I understand exactly what you're saying when he's a little tough to take. I do get it, but that's one of his best records, if not his best record. And I totally, totally dig uh, Hailstorm's version of this song as well. So it's a win-win situation for me because it's something that we don't get to play on this show that much. But that uh, that song's killer. Yes, sir. All right. What you got? Man, I got to go with the mighty, awesome ACDC. One of my favorite bands. Always have been. And I'm going to pull something off of one of the more recent releases. I'm going to pull something off of the album Black Ice, uh, which was the record that they released right before this Rocker Bust record. I am going to play a song uh, that is typical ACDC from a bluesy standpoint and just a really rocking tune that I enjoy quite a bit. It's one of my favorite songs off this record. It is a song called Stormy Mayday. I know that a lot of the ACDC songs sound similar. I think 
somebody said to Angus, hey, you've been doing the same songs for the last 15 albums. Why not change up? And I think he said something like, oh, no, no, buddy, you got that wrong. I've been doing the same song for the last 18 albums, right? So they're obviously not hiding the fact that they have a sound. This song sounds a lot like Hell's Bells to me, though. Not to me, just from that that typical groove. I mean, the bottom line is ACDC has a sound, and it is their yeah. sound. And there are so many bands that that cop that sound. It's it's the blues thing. I mean, it's just a blues rock thing. I don't necessarily think that it sounds like Hell's Bells. I could see where it might remind you of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the overall feel of it, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't give a shit. I love ACDC. They can they can keep doing the same record uh, year after year. It doesn't matter to me. I just I dig it. So, uh, and this is one of the songs that I kind of enjoyed off this record a little more so than some of the other songs. So, stormy, yeah, that's cool. stormy Mayday, baby. All right. So from Stormy Mayday, we go to the poobahs of the new rock movement, the Biters. And uh, off their first album, Electric Blood, they had a song called 1975. And what's cool is they give, they kind of pay homage to Rock and Roll Night, the Kiss song, during the lyrics. And production-wise, I love the way Electric Blood is produced. If that production could be somehow remixed onto Dress to Kill, dude, Dress to Kill would rock people's socks off. Because that's exactly what it needs. It needs this kind of production to really put it over the top. So love this song. I'm sure some of you have heard it before. Got a little punk elements to it. That's who just kind of the biters are. But the song is called 1975. I'm so t- 
you haven't heard of the buyers before or gotten into the buyers yet, you need to do yourself a favor and educate yourself a little bit. And I would suggest maybe checking out the interview that Grown Up Rock did with Tuck from the Biders back on episode, I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Uh, inter- interview with the Biters Tuck. Go check that episode out and then go check out their music because Electric Blood is a fantastic record. I mean, it's a great record. It's a little bit heavier, in my opinion, than this last record that they just put out, The Future Ain't So Bright. I would check out that record first and then come to this new record. The new record is amazing as well. The new record is just a little bit more kind of T-Rex, Cheap Trick, a little bit more in that vein, Um, but amazing, amazing songs, just really, really catchy songs. I can't say enough good shit about the Biters. I love this band, and Sonny is absolutely right. These are the new grand poopahs of the rock and roll movement today. Um, And before we get into my next pick, Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how everybody can help out the Growing Up Rock podcast. Every week we deliver a new episode of Growing Up Rock to everybody, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. People are downloading it, enjoying the new tunes we're picking out, some of the old classics we're picking out for you, enjoying Sonny and Mai's crazy banter back and forth, Uh, and this cost you absolutely nothing, but What we ask is that you go to growinguprock.com and you scroll down and you click on the Amazon banner because we know you do your shopping at Amazon. So when you click on the Amazon banner, you'll go to the Amazon website. It takes you right there. It doesn't cost you a dime extra and you do your shopping. What Amazon does is they give us a little bit of a kickback, very little bit of a kickback, but it adds up over the course of time and it helps us pay for our hosting fees and things like that because it's not free for us to make a podcast, but we enjoy doing it and that's why we continue to do it. We're not necessarily making any money because both Sonny and I have real jobs that we go to every day, Uh, but Definitely, definitely help us out by clicking on the Amazon banner and going and doing your shopping through our Amazon banner on grownuprock.com. And that's about all I'm going to say about that. Sonny, you have anything you want to add? I will also add that uh, a lot lot of folks help us out with this. But uh, if you can share us on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, um, this is, you know, just like kind of the music movement right now. This is a movement that happens through people and people sharing kind of word of mouth. And uh, the new word of mouth is social media. There's no way around that. And, you know, we're active on social media. Um, Stephen does a great job being on there every day. I try to get on there every day if I can. So, yeah, really share us and share us with your friends. And if there's topics you'd like us to do, we'd be glad to do them. Just let us know. Just uh, shoot us a message. Or if you've got a Growing Up Rock story, go to growinguprock.com and share your story with us. And we could possibly have you on an episode, depending on if it works out or not. So that's just a couple other ways you can get involved. Absolutely. And so that brings us to my next selection. And with my next selection, I'm going to, um, how can I say this? Let me think about this for a minute. Oh, yeah, I'm going to cheat 
I'm going to cheat my ass off on this. Stretch the rules a bit. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to stretch the rules a bit. I'm going to, I'm going to play the grand poopa of the, (laughs) of the grown up rock podcast and uh, stretch the rules a bit. And I am going to talk about a band that we haven't talked about a whole lot on this podcast, but they were a important band for me in the grown up rock era of my life. I'm going to talk about Armored Saint. So I discovered Armored Saint through a Metal Massacre tape back in probably 1983, I want to say, 82 or 83. Uh, I heard about this band from L.A. called Armored Saint. And I heard a tune. I can't tell you which tune it was that I heard first, but uh, I was really excited about this band because this band got signed to Chrysalis Records and they put out a new debut record in 1984. And the name of the record was March of the Saints, M-A-R-C-H. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that's the name of a month. As far as they're concerned, it's got nothing to do with the fucking month. But this is where the whole stretching thing comes into play. So March of the Saints was released in October of 84 on Chrysalis Records. And the producer was none other than Mr. Michael James Jackson. I think those of us that are KISS fans all know that name. Sonny, I'm sure you're familiar with Michael James Jackson. Oh, yeah. And it's possible. It's possible this is the record he produced right after Lick It Up or there might have been a record in between. Yep, I was excited to hear this record. Uh, I remember going and getting the cassette the day it came out. Uh, Yes, I said cassette uh, because that's the cassette stereo that I had in my car. Uh, And I remember remember, uh, taking it and cranking it to 11. And the first thing I heard was uh, the title track, uh, which is what we're going to play for you right now. This is the title track to March of the Saints. This is called March of the Saints by Armored Saint. Enjoy.
get into Armored Saint much. I'm going to chalk it up to I could only spend a sliver of my energy on these thrash kind of metal bands, and that energy was pretty much been given all to Metallica and Megadeth. Now, I will tell you that I enjoy John Bush more in Armored Saint than I did Anthrax. You know, and I never considered Armored Saint. I guess I consider them a metal band. I don't. I definitely don't consider them a thrash band. Right. Um, I consider them a metal band. They're pretty heavy. And March of the Saint. To be honest, March of the Saint's not my favorite song off that record. My favorite song, quite possibly one of my most one of my favorite Armored Saint songs. Period is Can You Deliver? I love that song. Oh yeah. Like that song is so freaking killer. I just I dig that tune, but. I like this record. I like Armored Saints. Some of the new Armored Saints shit that they've put out in the last couple years has been really, really good. But I love John Bush, Joey Vera, those guys, man. Uh, And I'm glad I got to play this because, uh, like I said, we just don't talk that much about Armored Saint on this podcast. And they were definitely a band in my growing up rock uh, years for sure. Yay me. I played Armored Saint. Now it's your turn. (laughs) All right. So our next two songs was not done on purpose, but uh, we're going to open up some uh, not so healed wounds probably. But I'm going to start out by saying that one of my i didn't even notice that we're doing yeah. that till you just said this that's i that's didn't hilarious. even notice it either yeah so one of my favorite singers of all time and favorite just band performers singers guitarists just a whole package frontman is honestly sammy hagar and i know some people you know they got their own feelings about who sammy hagar is if he was never in van halen i don't think there'd be as many sammy haters honestly i think there'd be a lot more sammy lovers to be honest with you but i am one and he released an album in 2000 called 1013 and 1013 happens to be his birth date because it's the day before mine so he this album released a week after his 53rd birthday in the year 2000. And the reason that's important is when you hear this song, he is singing at the top of his range. And this song could have easily been on 5150, what, 15 years earlier? It feels like it's a song that comes off of Van Halen 5150. And uh, it's an awesome song, and it's called Let Sally Drive off of the album 1013.
if you can. Yeah, so it's interesting you played this song because I had never even heard of this record, 1013, until probably maybe nine months ago, uh, nine or ten months ago, I discovered it. I don't know what I was looking for. I was out there looking for something. I saw 1013, and I said, okay, what what's this record all about? And I perused it. I browsed through it and listened to the songs. I was like, damn, this shit's pretty good. So I went ahead and picked it up, and uh, yeah, this is a really underrated good record, 1013 from Sammy Hagar, and I am not a Sammy hater, even though I grew up on uh, Roth era Van Halen, and that is my my supreme Van Halen. I do respect uh, Van Hagar, and I like a lot of the Van Hagar, although I did not like it at first, but I am a Sammy liker. I like Sammy. Uh, it's all rock and roll to me, so yay. Good tune. Good pick. Yeah, the Red Poobah himself. <laughs> all right, the Grand Red Poobah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> all right. So that brings us, and, and this is funny because I didn't pick up on this till Sonny mentioned a few minutes ago, but this brings us to my last and final pick. And of course, I, being the Van Halen freak I am, I couldn't let it go without playing something from 1984. But... I'm going to do us all a favor. So here's my favor. First of all, 1984, it's a great record, but I think that everybody out there has heard it plenty, plenty of times. I mean, I'm certainly not going to play Jump, and there are a couple other tunes I could play off of it. I'm certainly not going to play Hot for Teacher again. Uh, You know, I could do things with Top Jimmy or Girl Gone Bad or whatever. Those are great songs. But... One of my favorite songs on this record is House of Pain. However, I'm going to do us all a favor. I'm not going to play the 1984 version of House of Pain. I am going to play a demo version that came from the Warner Brothers sessions that you may or may not have heard at this point. I don't know. There's a lot of demo stuff floating around on Manhalen. It's readily available. So if you seek it out, I'm sure you'd be able to hear this tune. But I got it. I think it's kind of cool. It's a different version you don't hear every other day. Uh, So I am going to play House of Pain, which I absolutely love. But I'm going to play the demo version, which sounds quite a bit different from the Warner Brother demos, Van Halen, House of Pain.
Now, what's interesting about this song is this is the song to me that's the oddball of the 1984 record. It doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the record. You know, and it might be because House of Pain is old. Like that song was around. That song was around before Van Halen won, if I'm not mistaken. That would make sense because it does not fit. Yeah, I, I think they. Um, I think they were playing House of Pain pre Van Halen one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because when I first heard the album, the song that I loved the most was "I'll Wait." Right? I'm like, oh, okay, now, now, of course we got it was. <laughs> right? And then when it got to House of Pain, I'm like, what the hell is this? And then somebody had to tap you on the shoulder and remind you that you actually liked rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with all wait <laughs> have you heard uh have you heard the country version of all wait no i have not Who somebody somebody redid that song recently some country artist uh redid that song recently i'll wait it's not bad it's all right i mean it, it comes across pretty decent oh uh, i'll check it out yeah i can't remember who it is it's not a it's not a huge country artist i think it's like a new and up-and-coming country artist or whatever but google i'll wait country and see who it is i can't remember but uh it's not a bad version it's it's a tolerable version i guess uh you can say so that's that's a nice little episode there dude it's not bad i i enjoyed some of those picks man they're not songs that you hear every day so uh it's all right it's all good that'll get people ready for all this content that's coming their way from the kiss expo because there's a ton of it so that'll be cool but hey you know what time that is It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so historic moment. So soon as Stephen talked about years, dates, first song that popped into my head was Strutter 78. And I remember when I heard it on Double Platinum, I'd already heard the original Strutter version. So remember, I'm working backwards, right? So I got into Kiss in the 80s, and I'm kind of working backwards and I heard Strutter and I'm like, uh, the first two albums to me just kind of come off a little slower. The songs drag a little bit, but by the time you listen to them on a live, they speed up a little bit, which was really cool. So I was like, oh, well they redid Strutter on double platinum. Okay. Kiss fans have a love hate relationship with this version of Strutter. And mostly it's because, well, first of all, it's not the original and original for some folks is always the best. The production is definitely a little more compressed. The backup vocals, to me, sound louder. The solo sounds like it's kind of like in a tunnel, and it is a little bit different. It's either different or you can hear it a little bit more clearer. I'm not exactly sure which one that is. And Double Platinum released about five to six months before the solo albums did because there was no other Kiss albums in 78. So there was just Double Platinum that released in basically April and then the solo albums released in the middle of September. So I think they were putting something out there that was kind of a greatest hits and throw a little new flavor into it. So if you haven't heard this version of Strutter, take a listen. Strutter 78.
And that is your historic moment of this episode of Growing Up Rock. Cool. Well, no, great episode. That was fun to do. Absolutely. So share us, like us, write us a review. Do we still need reviews? What's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. There's, you know, reviews are hard to give, I guess, but uh, there's two ways you can do it. You can either do it on iTunes, which the easiest way is doing it on your computer, or you could just do it on Facebook and we'll read it if there's a review off of Facebook. So either one helps. That's right. We'll read your review and you can quit bringing me to tears when I don't have reviews. (laughs) So uh, that's it. Let's wrap this sucker up. Let's do the do. Is it my turn? Uh, Is it your turn? I don't know. Is it? Well, I'll do. I have the phone, so let me. I'll just take the turn. Go for it. All right. So I'm in the songs. Go ahead and exercise your grand poopaness. Yeah, yeah. I got the songs. I'm going to hit shuffle here. Thanks, everyone, for the support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for keeping rock alive. And we will have the episode from the expo out soon. So that'd be fun uh, to listen to. All right, people. Until next week. We are out of here. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 